From classrooms to boardrooms, we often hear about the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. These big, broad-reaching goals striving for a sustainable and equitable world, from ending poverty to responsible consumption and production. Hello and welcome to a special edition of Think Sustainability. I'm your host, Marlene Even. So why am I talking about Sustainable Development Goals, or SDGs for short? We are almost at the halfway point from when the world leaders agreed to the SDGs and when we are meant to achieve them by. In 2015, world leaders met in New York at the United Nations General Assembly to formalise the Sustainable Development Goals. You are adopting today advances the goals of the Charter that embodies the aspirations of people everywhere. The world leaders agreed to strive to achieve the 17 goals by 2030. For lives of peace, security and dignity on a healthy planet. So standing at the halfway point, how are things looking? Can we achieve these goals by 2030? Is it all just a bit of talk and not enough action? This week on a special edition of Think Sustainability, we dig deep into the SDGs and hear from two of the sectors with a big role in them, education and business. I would like to introduce you to our esteemed guest panel. We are joined by Associate Professor Melissa Edwards, Director of the Executive MBA Programme at the University of Technology, Sydney's Business School. Welcome, Melissa. Hi, thanks so much for having us here this morning. We are also joined by Dr. Rosemary Sainty, founding Australian representative to the UN Global Compact. Welcome, Rosemary. Hi, Marlene. And our third guest for our panel is Alex Franson, the UTS Sustainable Development Goals Project Manager. Welcome, Alex. Hi, Marlene. Thanks for having us. So I want to start off firstly by asking what exactly are the SDGs? What was the motivation for why they're created? But Rosemary, I'll go to you first. I suppose just to give a kind of a step back, um, where did they come from? Um, some of your listeners may remember a thing called the Millennium Development Goals, um, which came with their own agenda up until 2015. And similarly to the SDGs, they were about halving extreme poverty um, and a real emphasis actually on maternal health and education. So very much a development agenda. And, and they came to an end at 2015. And there was some progress but in some areas and not in others. And simultaneously at the UN level, there's been uh, discussions around the environment and climate, the green economy, as, as it was called then. And so in recasting those goals um, in 2015, there was the opportunity to bring together both the developmental or the development agenda and the environmental or you know, planet agenda. Um, and so there's many more goals now, 17, a funny kind of number. And I have to say, if, uh, as someone standing back and watching the progress, it's been incredible how successful the SDGs have been in attracting people's attention um, and interest. They're colourful, there's something for everyone. They are about all sectors, so 
led by government or the state. They also include, you know, the civil society or not-for-profits, education, of course, and business and businesses and investors are also playing a large role. So is it, that's just a sort of global um, overview of them. And I guess, Alex, some of the 17 goals have shared solutions, um, but there's also conflicts with each other. So a solution for one goal could be possibly problematic for another one. How do you ensure that you've got this holistic view to, to meet these SDG goals? Well, as as Rosemary said, I think, you know, they are sort of an extension of the Millennium Goals, but they were, I guess they were trying to extend the framework to establish um, it under like sustainable development as an over uh, more holistic solution. So they absolutely can be in conflict. So, I mean, an, a very easy example um, would be something like SDG 2, Zero Hunger, Obviously, you know, a simple solution would be to increase food production, but then obviously that comes potentially at an environmental cost, you know, to um, SDG 15, life on land, SDG 14, life underwater. You know, so these solutions aren't necessarily easy ones to address the goals, but so they need to really be worked as an integrated system. Um, and they are, you know, often addressing the you know, wicked problems that the world is facing. And so, you know, we it needs to be a more um, overarching sustainable solution. You need to be looking at things like food waste. You need to be looking at um, smart infrastructure, improved logistics and, you know, population growth. It's got to be, and also obviously even SDG 16, which is about um, peace and good governance. You see the situation that we've got in the Ukraine and the effect on, you know, um, grain, supply against the world, the energy crisis, it, it is all so interconnected. Um, so yes, they, they aren't um, easy problems to solve, but I think the the fundamental overarching um, system that they that, that that is that extension on the Millennium Goals is that they are about sustainable development. So they are trying to integrate economic development, um, social uh, inclusion and integration and environmental sustainability. They try to cover those sort of three pillars. Um, and yes, and there are obviously going to be conflicting conflicting components to that, but that yeah, they they require um, deep thinking, I guess, and solutions, more complicated and complex solutions. Could I just jump in there with a, a comment um, that when it comes to the role of business, um, Back in 2000, um, under the Secretary-General Kofi Annan, a thing called the UN Global Compact came into being. And, and that represented the recognition by the UN that what the UN was trying to achieve, you know, peace, flourishing communities, the kind of world that we'd all want, that they actually needed to be um, collaborating with business with the private sector and at the same time the private sector was finding business that it was moving into areas that had traditionally been um, the concern of governments or the state so through things like privatization through things like globalization and working in countries with pretty weak um, you know governance systems etc so both business and its its aims and the UN and its aims found that they had uh, a big reason to collaborate because prior to that, there was kind of two separate worlds. And however, 
uh, as Alex has just been saying, there that doesn't mean that there aren't what we'd call tensions and trade-offs, um, particularly between kind of um, financial and developmental type considerations. So, yes, it, it, of course it's complex, um, and, and of course there are those challenges to be met. It's interesting to talk about the the melding of two different worlds and obviously mm. everything being interconnected. They they have to to reach these goals. Mel, as it stands, are these got these goals are these goals are voluntary? What incentive do countries have to meet them by twenty thirty? I mean, that's a really good question, and I think you know it's been interesting again, even just remembering the long trajectory that we've been on with the sustainable development agenda and it is a very much a global agenda and um, you know we're, we're thinking here as well like a couple of years back the 75 years of um, thinking about that trajectory of the United Nations itself um, and so I think we have to go back to understanding that although goals can be very specific to individual actions so whether it's in a company whether it's in an, a, a government body whether it's in a non-government body those goals are all contributing to the overall whole. And we all are at the moment living in a, a global economy um, and we're living on one planet. So the agenda for individuals to act in collaboration with one another is a really difficult thing to achieve at that global level. So what the SDGs allow us to do is take individual targets down to very specific targeted activities and the overall assumption being that if we are all working together towards these targets within the space of a decade, then we get that kind of collective impact um, over time. So I think the obligation that we have in order to sign up for the SDGs is actually intrinsic to our existence on this planet. Um, I might just add a, another incentive is probably, you know, never before has the world been so interconnected. And so every time there's something like a, a, a climate COP, you know, get together to talk about the environment or, or whatever is happening at the UN level, we are all looking at how different countries respond. And, and I do think a growing incentive for most countries around the world is to not be seen as a laggard, um, that they actually need to get on board. And another very tangible incentive is that increasingly different countries, different jurisdictions are starting to require uh, in their trade agreements um, that the countries that they're dealing with are taking on board things like the sustainable development goals in order to do trade. I think as well, like we can see, you know, our planet is in crisis as well. The, the effects of climate change are starting to be seen. You know, even in Australia, look at the dramatic weather events that we've had over the last few years, with first with the bushfires and then with the floods. You know, we have the, as Rosemary says, that very much that interconnected world that we have. We have the um, Ukraine, the war in Ukraine having immediate effects on, you know, the energy uh, use in Europe and you have the grains crisis that's occurred because, you know, how much of the world's grain they supply. So, you know, these, um, the, I think never before have we seen how interconnected the world is and how reliant we all are on um each other to to do the right thing and start resolving and addressing some of the the major um issues that we're, the world is facing and I, I guess again the covid pandemic showed us this as well it is a very connected world that we live in 
And we are seeing businesses, schools, universities, governments put the SDGs, the Sustainable Development Goals, within their reports as ways to measure how they're doing. How useful are SDGs for measuring sustainable performance? Um, I'll go to you, Mel. Look, I mean, no system is perfect. We have to start there, right? We're never going to come up with a perfect set of measuring any type of um, performance where the complexity is our existence on a planet. If you think about that, I mean, that's a really, really complicated thing to do. So the sustainable development goals um, are really effective in that they, as I said before, have these very specific targets. So, you know, anybody can actually just go to the um, website and you can have a look at those 17 goals and you can um, click on one of those goals. You can um, have a look at the indicators that sit underneath those. And then there are specific targets for each one of those as well. So, um, for example, um, you know, as you said, it's happening across multiple sectors. Um, but if you're a company right now, and as Rosemary said, um, you know, you're wanting to trade globally, there are some um, regulations that actually are tied specifically to aspects of these SDGs and specific targets. For example, around greenhouse gas emissions, that's tied in with um, countries now being signatories to the Paris Agreement. Uh, here in Australia, we've got our own targets that, um, you know, about the emissions reductions that we need to achieve within the decade. And then there's a specific indicator around that in SDG 13, which then companies, businesses, government bodies, non-government organisations, individual people, if they like, can say, I am working towards and I want to make a commitment to that particular target. I set a baseline. This is where I'm at now. This is where I need to be by the end of the decade. And I'm going to work towards that. Now, it's not a perfect system, <laughs> but it's one goal that the world can share at any level, individual, company, government. So in that sense, it's you know a really practical way for us to think about target setting. And this is performance of the planet. This is performance of existence on the planet. So I think it's um, you know a really effective mechanism in that sense. No system is perfect. It does rely on people being transparent in the way that they report. It re relies on us um, having proper auditing systems in place to make sure we're moving and we're tracking against those goals. And that's a really difficult thing to achieve. There is a, a global tracking of these goals as well. And we've seen actually um, we're moving further away from the target on some of those targets. And I think greenhouse gases is one of those. And that's that then helps us to, to really target where we need to put our focus in order to, um, to move in the direction we need and where in different countries and different parts of the world, there should be um, different emphasis across those goals. Um, so yeah, in that sense, it's a, a, a great way of thinking about the performance at that kind of meta level, as well as being able to zoom in and really target in on specific um, areas uh, to enable that, that collective um, impact. Can I just jump in there too, back to the business kind of view that existing reporting frameworks, you know, all businesses do an annual report, let's say, and, and there has over the last couple of decades been the growth of different sustainability reporting frameworks. Um, and it's really interesting to see how the SDGs themselves are being, have filtered through the complexity of that reporting system into lots of different reporting frameworks and standards. And so right at the moment, um, they're um, underway is the development of a global sustainability um, accounting sort of standards body under development. And, and what you'll see is 
um, aspects of the SDGs will be taken up into that. So uh, it's quite it's quite an interesting kind of institutional thing that's happening at the moment too. And I mean, Rosemary and Mel, you've spoken from the business side. Alex, from education and from tertiary, what are the benefits but also the challenges of using SDGs to measure how universities are going with sustainability? I guess I think that's it is it's a it's a tough one that the university is you know still um, trying to grapple with but and the tertiary sector but you can see the interest um, from across the tertiary sector just from the um, the rankings perspective like you've got Times Higher Education now doing the impact ranking and that's very much assessing universities from a um, external viewpoint of looking in at what um, institutions are doing and. Um, certainly there is that interest and they're, they're saying that interest largely derived from um, an interest from students themselves and their, and their interest in what institutions are doing with regards to the SDGs. And, the, and now the um, Cockerelli-Simmons have also come out with a sustainability ranking. And so, again, they're monitoring um, university and the university sector on across the SDGs. I think in they they are looking at you know four sort of main pillars. They're looking at teaching, research, uh, the operations of the university itself, and how sustainable the operations are, and um, also I guess engagement with the community. So how the the university is then um, taking that the knowledge that they have out to the um, community and and basically um, showing best practice and helping to develop policies out in the in the broader um, world either at a local level at a um, national level or even a global level and I think um, certainly you know we we have a lot to be proud of in uh, the university sector in terms of you know, there's research that's being done in universities around the world that are, is really trying to address and tackle some of the major problems that, you know, the world is facing. And then from the teaching side of things, you know, I think there is absolutely a moral imperative on um, educational institutions that they are um, creating graduates that not only have the knowledge and the skills about the sustainable development goals, but they're actually um enabling opportunities to create um, capabilities in those students to then go out and help solve some of those problems and tackle the problems in, in, that the world is facing. How do we ensure that SDGs or sustainable development goals, this isn't used as a buzzword and that we're looking at the measurables and we're looking at the action and not just the announcements or the talk from various institutions? My, my simple answer to that is that we develop in our students what we might call critical reflexivity, <laughs> critical thinking. And, and that's why I think it's important to understand what the SDGs are and what they're aiming to achieve. And um, we, at UTS, we have this fantastic thing called the Social Impact Framework. Um, and part of that, uh, part of its aims um, is to develop students that have the agency to enact personal and social responsibility and so I hope this isn't too theoretical, but trying to link all of those things. So having students that that have that agency that are able to think critically, um, hopefully buffers against any kind of sort of SDGs as buzzword type stuff. Yeah, I would. I mean, I think that moral compass 
is actually important outside of capability development in students and speaks across the board actually to the capabilities we would want to see people having in any role or function that they're in in relation to these SDGs. So, you know, you can have regulation, you can have um, mandatory reporting, you can have independent auditing where people are gathering up the evidence and then submitting that to an independent body to have a look at. Um, But at the end of the day, if you don't have people inside organisations who are taking personal responsibility to take action against any form of target or objective, it's very difficult to A, move towards a target, B, ensure that the information that's being gathered up is true and factual and transparent, and C, have faith in that kind of or trust in those governance processes. I think it's we need both that kind of independent mechanism to make sure that the goals are robust, that there's evidence base behind the actions that are being taken, that companies, organisations, governments have implementation plans, clearly stated implementation plans with a transparent way of reporting against those that's made public so that we can see the progress towards those goals. And we can also see where there's no progress towards the goals. And I think that's why, you know, that that sort of SDG platform where you can see progress against the goals is important. We should all take a look at it. We are going backwards on some of them. And that's really, really hard for us to wear as a as a population, but we have to understand that we need to pay attention to where we're moving away from a desired um, goal. And then how do we then get people to act on those goals? Well, it comes back to what Rosemary was saying. It's that sort of moral compass, the personal responsibility, the fact that we all have to take individual action towards a collective goal and they have to come together. And Alex, how are we tracking with the SDG goals? Are we, is it looking positive to meet these goals at 2030? Um, Unfortunately, it's not. uh, The last couple of years um, have, you know, I think certainly the pandemic um, has really set um, the world back. And I think in the latest um, UN report that came out in the middle of the year, which does track countries against the goals, um, I think overall we've, we've gone backwards in the last couple of years. Uh, I think Australia, I think, you know, um, we have not actually, so they kind of do it in a traffic light system where, you know, each goal goes green if the if it's been met in that country or that, you know, it has an arrow to which direction are we, are we progressing towards it or not. Um, unfortunately, Australia, we don't have any that are, have reached green. And in fact, we're actually, I think, declining in a couple of them. I think we've got um, probably the most challenging ones for Australia, although, you know, hopefully um, recent changes to the federal government um, will change that. But, you know, climate action is certainly one of them that we have um, have not made progress in the last couple of years. I think also um, life on land and um, responsible consumption and production, Australia is not performing well in and, and potentially going backwards. So, um, you know, it it's not a great picture. Um, I think the European nations, um, particularly the uh, Nordic countries, are probably um, performing the best. But even even in um, the Scandinavian and Nordic countries, I, I don't I don't think um, they can boast. You know, they may have a couple of SDGs in green, but um, Finland I think came first, and they're going backwards in climate action as well. So I think um, you know it's been a it's a tough couple of years. I think 
in 2023 in September, there's a there's the big sort of um, halfway point meeting where they come. To, the world will come together, and there'll be um, a really um, big focus on the SDGs. And I think it'll be hopefully we'll have seen in in 2022 some positive movement towards the goals. But yes, it's um, they are they are big challenges, but it would be good to see um, more progress. But yeah, unfortunately, not in the last couple of years. Uh, can I jump in yet again? One thing that's not measured because it's intangible um, is people's awareness around mm. sustainability. And so something I have really noticed rapidly changing over the last three years, maybe, is the socialisation of the many ideas that would come under sustainable development and the much greater level of community understanding in that space. So, so that augurs well for the future. I mean, there was a time when I'd be at dinner parties and I would not talk about sustainability. A, I didn't want to have to try and explain what it was, and B, I didn't want the backlash. That doesn't happen anymore. Um, well, not in my circles. Um, so I think it's an intangible, but there has been progress in terms of widespread community understanding um, and uh, as well um, the notion that we're all individually responsible. Which is where we therefore need to also have a heightened level of caution <laughs> the socialization piece I think is really important I would totally agree with what Rosemary's just said um I think the case with climate action particularly and what I'm seeing is that people have become so um, familiar with the idea of climate change and taking the notion that we do need to have urgent action on climate change yet we're seeing backwards deterioration on the goal reaching the target so there's a real conundrum here we have to understand that the socialization piece is good it's something that we all understand we know about we're living in a climate changed world but we're compelled to action and that takes us back to that action piece so we need to socialize a little bit more the types of actions that we need to take and that we should all be taking in order to address these goals and it's not something that someone else is going to fix or it's not a problem that we have here at somewhere else. And often I think sometimes the problem with these with future targets is people think, well, we've got time. So this is a, you know, this is at the end of the decade. And if you think about how long it takes to change the infrastructure of energy, for example, in this country and the way that we use energy in our everyday lives, that's going to take an awful long time. Now it's not even if the input into the system changes, we still need to change all of the infrastructures the way that we um, think about the goods and services we consume, possibly the way that we live in terms of our urban and built environments. So these are really big challenges and large-scale um, actions that we need to take individually and together, and we need to prioritise it constantly, all of the time. There's a, a real kind of tension there between um, the regulatory side of things uh, which is obviously growing because the stakes are getting higher and higher, particularly with carbon and climate, and versus the sort of we're, we're going, we want to do this, like, you know, the moral kind of side of things. So um, I, mean, I, I predict that regulation will continue to play a greater and greater role in all these areas as the risks get bigger and bigger. I think, though, um, I agree with both what Rosemary and Melissa are saying, but I do think that um, there has been a, a positive shift certainly in Australia 
just at a general level in terms of um, engagement with sustainable development and certainly climate change. And I just think we possibly haven't gotten the momentum to see the outcomes of that yet. But I definitely think there's, I, I agree with Rosemary, I think there's been a shift in the last couple of years, a significant shift. So I think that's the positive. We have to stay <laughs> a positive about this, that um, otherwise I think it becomes possibly in people's mind a too big a problem to solve. And I, that's that's not that's certainly not helpful. And on that positive note, I'd like to thank you all so much for joining this special edition of Think Sustainability. Thanks, Marlene. Thanks, Marlene. Thanks, Marlene. You heard from Associate Professor Melissa Edwards, Director of the Executive MBA Program at the University of Technology, Sydney's Business School. Dr. Rosemary Sainty, Founding Australian Representative to the UN Global Compact. And Alex Franson, the UTS Sustainable Development Goals Project Manager. Think Sustainability is made possible with the support of 2SER Radio, the University of Technology, Sydney, and is heard around Australia on the Community Radio Network. Think Sustainability is made in Sydney, which sits on Gadigal land of the Eora Nation, whose sovereignty was never ceded. You can subscribe to Think Sustainability wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Marlene Even. Thanks for your company.